Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how much you can say with simple noises, why you might keep hearing about the Kepler Space Telescope even though it's retired, and how you can find out where your house would have been on Pangea. Let's satisfy some curiosity. There's new research into how much we can communicate using a thing called vocal bursts. You absolutely use these. They include laughs and roars, oohs and ahs, sighs and shrieks. It's those little non-language-based noises we make, and this study is super fun. Ooh. Mmm. Yeah, that's a vocal burst, one of those hmm or ah sounds. Also, the website they made is super alarming if you go to it for the first time. I would absolutely (laughs) recommend headphones or pressing mute. Before you click on the link that we've got in the show notes. Yeah, there's going to be some sound effects involved in this story. So let's dig in. Now, this research was published in a recent paper in American Psychologist, and it comes from an emerging field in psychology called emotion science. It has its own journal and everything. Anyway, the point of this study was to see how many feelings you can communicate with these little vocal bursts. According to past studies, people could recognize 13 emotions in vocal bursts. But those studies took answers from multiple-choice questionnaires, so the options were kind of limited in what they could find. For this study, researchers put together a library of more than 2,000 vocal bursts, and then they asked more than 1,000 people to describe them. Some of the participants used the 13-item effective scale that was popular in previous emotion science research, but other participants got to describe the bursts in free responses— And a third group categorized the bursts into one of 30 emotional categories, like love, relief, and disappointment. And the result was that according to this study, you can reliably communicate feelings with vocal bursts in not 13, but 24 emotional categories. You can see the full list of categories in our full write-up on Curiosity.com and in our free Curiosity app for Android and iOS, along with an interactive map the researchers put together. This part is really fun. You can pull up the website on your computer and hover your mouse over different emotions, and they're color-coded based on their primary category. Most of the sounds have a mix of categories. Like, there's one vocal burst that's 50% amusement, 25% embarrassment, and 8% each for anger, ecstasy, and elation. So all those feelings in just one sound. The sounds for desire and ecstasy are a bit, um, parental guidance suggested, by the way. So, again, headphones. Let's go over a few of the other categories, though. Are you ready, Ashley? Oh, boy. Okay, I'm just going to do this as a human because I'm not going to consult their map. No, these are not scientifically validated vocal bursts. But these are just Ashley validated vocal bursts. <laughs> They'll give you an idea of what the study is all about. So, a vocal burst for sympathy, mm. disgust, Ugh. positive surprise, <gasps> negative surprise, <gasps> disappointment, Aww. confusion. This study just leaves me with one feeling. Triumph! Ah! Yes! (laughs) On October 30th, 2018, the Kepler Space Telescope retired after nine years of teaching us about the universe. We wrote about this back then. But the thing is, it's not done yet. We cover a lot of stories about space here at Curiosity, so we thought it might make sense to tell you why you might be hearing about Kepler for years to come. Not to mention, Kepler just released its final image, which you can see on Curiosity.com. As reported by Universe Today, Kepler collected a lot of data, 
And that data is going to take years to sift through. Some of the stuff Kepler found has already made a big splash. Remember when astronomers announced that they'd found a system of seven rocky planets in the TRAPPIST-1 star system? Well, Kepler discovered that system. Kepler also observed GJ9827, which is a nearby star where we detected three possible super-Earths in 2017. In the end, Kepler discovered almost 4,000 planetary candidates from outside of our solar system and confirmed the existence of more than 2,600. It also statistically showed that our galaxy has even more planets than stars. Not bad for a nine-year mission. The satellite didn't just take pictures, by the way. During its last mission, Kepler's camera took 30-minute recordings of certain targets. It took those recordings to measure the brightness of the stars it was observing, which is important for helping us find transits by exoplanets. And it also helps us understand key aspects of stellar behavior. So that's a lot of photos and videos to sort through. But here's some good news. Kepler's data is public. In fact, in April 2017, citizen scientists used Kepler data to find a system with up to six planets. That's right. Citizen scientists discovered a planetary system for the first time ever. Now that Kepler's enjoying its golden years, it'll be up to next-generation telescopes to help us collect information about our universe. The James Webb Space Telescope and the Wide Field Infrared Survey Telescope are slated for launch in 2021 and in the mid-2020s, respectively. They'll use improved instruments with optical, infrared, and spectrographic capabilities. And they'll probably discover several thousand more exoplanets, according to scientists. What's cool about them is that they'll hopefully also play a role in exoplanet characterization. That's a growing field where scientists can use the advanced resolution and imaging capabilities of new telescopes to study the atmospheres of other planets and even search for signs of life. Until then, don't be surprised if you hear Kepler pop up on this podcast again in the near future. There's so much more we can still learn from its work. Today's episode is sponsored by On Deck. Listen up, small business owners. Whether you're trying to send a telescope up into space or you're just looking to purchase inventory or upgrade your office supplies, it's really hard to get access to capital. Most traditional banks would rather just lend to larger, more established businesses. That's where On Deck comes in. On Deck is 100% committed to small business owners with fast, easy, and tailored financing. They've lent more than $10 billion to more than 80,000 small business owners. They have a 9.8 out of 10 rating on Trustpilot and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. OnDeck is the secure financing service that business owners everywhere can truly rely on. With OnDeck, you can get funding in as fast as 24 hours with term loans up to $500,000 and lines of credit up to $100,000, none of which require business collateral. If you're a small business owner and you need access to capital, go to ondeck.com slash curiosity right now. As a special offer just for Curiosity Daily listeners, you'll receive a free consultation with one of their U.S.-based loan specialists. Apply online or by phone and get approved in minutes. Just visit ondeck.com slash curiosity. That's C-U-R-I-O-S-I-T-Y for your free consultation now. Remember the good old days when all the continents were just one big mega continent? Uh... All right. Well, you probably don't remember those days because they were like 175 million years ago. But if you're still somehow nostalgic for those geographically simpler times, back when you only had to remember the name Pangea instead of seven different continents, then we've got some good news. Thanks to a software engineer named Ian Webster, you can load up an ancient map of the Earth and find out where your house would have been. You can find the interactive map on his website, dinosaurpictures.org. And you can use it to pinpoint a modern address in any of 26 different geological areas. 
It's an out-of-the-box way to connect yourself to the planet's history. You can set the map to 20 million years ago, 200 million years ago, as far back as 750 million years ago, with lots of intervals in between. We checked out our address here in Chicago, because of course we did, and the further back you go, the closer Chicago and the rest of North America drifts towards Africa. Around 220 million years ago, you'll find Florida wedged right in there between South America and Africa, with the region that will eventually become Europe and Asia hovering a little bit overhead. By the way, did you know that Pangaea split into two sub-supercontinents before it split into the seven continents we know today? The one in the north was called Laurasia, which included North America, Europe, and Asia. And the one in the south was called Gondwana Land, which included Africa, South America, Australia, and Antarctica. They broke into their current configurations later on, and that division is still going on today. In fact, Africa is splitting into two continents right now. But that's a story we'll get into next week. In the meantime, you can drop a pin on a map to see where you would have lived on the website dinosaurpictures.org. Enjoy. Read about today's stories and more on curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network. 